Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, clarify your message, and make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the phrase body language, the process of communicating non-verbally through conscious or unconscious gestures and movements. Fun fact from our friends at Merriam-Webster, the first known use of the expression body language was in 1885. We could tell from his body language that he was nervous. So, no surprise, in the world of camera readiness, body language is a big damn deal. And we're going deep right now with internationally acclaimed body language expert, teacher, and coach, Blanca Cobb, who you've seen on the Today Show, Dr. Oz, CNN, and now, camera ready and able. I am so honored to have you on the podcast, Blanca. Thank you and welcome. How are you? I am fabulous, thank you. And thank you to you. This is an honor to be here with you today. Mutual Admiration Society. And I, there's so much to talk about on this topic. Mm-hmm. First, I wanted to just ask you, how do you explain body language and what it is that you do as a body language expert? Great question. So what body language is, is all the communication, the nonverbal, the silent message that you don't even realize that you're sending to somebody else when you're talking, you're interacting. A lot of times people just focus on what they're saying, but they don't realize how they're saying it has an impact from how you use your voice how you use your hands, whether you use your hands, whether you're animated or not, it all says something about you and about your mood in the moment. How'd you get into this? Great question. Um, I started paying attention to body language when I was a little girl. I was an abused little girl. And so a lot of my childhood I spent in fear and I didn't know who I could trust. And what did I end up doing, although I didn't realize what I was doing at the time, is I was watching movements and I was watching gestures and I was listening for changes of tone of voice, even down footsteps walking down the hall, whether it's a more relaxed kind of footstep or more it was a hard, firm, angry type of footstep, all because I was trying to figure out what was going to happen next. And it's no different than what anyone would do now. For example, if you're in a dark alley and you see somebody, you're sizing them up. You're trying to figure out if you're safe or not, what their intentions are. Well, that's just what I was doing when I was little. And I've just adapted it through my whole life. And I knew I wanted to go into a helping profession. So I ended up getting a master's in psychology and formal training with some well-respected body language and detecting deception experts. And voila, I'm here. Some of the things I just heard there, and again, so sorry for what you experienced as a child, but a big part of this is about being present, Mm -hmm. paying attention, being observant. And we live in an incredibly distracted world where we're just becoming more and more distracted. And obviously you don't need me to explain that, like, just what a big deal it is to look up from your device. Oh, yes. And what a difference that makes just in our interpersonal communications. That makes a difference in the level of service you can get somewhere. Absolutely. Right. If you look someone in the eye and say, hide like a chai latte. Exactly. Just waving your device. What are the biggest misconceptions then about body language? So misconceptions about body language are crossed arms, for example. A lot of times people will see somebody with crossed arms and they automatically assume that that person is defensive, is cut off, is disinterested, is angry, and that may or may not be the case. 
What it could be is that maybe they have an ache in their back and it's more comfortable to cross their arms. Maybe it's just part of how they stand or sit. They normally cross their arms, so it's part of their baseline behavior. Maybe they're thinking about some, something and they're crossing their arms. Maybe there are no armrests and they have no nothing else to do with their hands, so they're crossing their arms. So you get my point. There can be a lot of different reasons why someone might cross their arms. And that's Unfortunately, that's where people get in trouble when they're trying to interpret body language is because they see a sign, a gesture, a movement, and they make an automatic decision about what it means. And body language interpretation is an art and a science where math is universal. One plus two equals three, no matter where you are in the world and no matter what language you speak. When it comes to body language, not so much because you have context culture, and clusters between two or more that occur at the same time. So crossed arms is a big one. And then looking at somebody. When you're looking at somebody and you're asking them a question, for example, and let's say they, they look away and they start talking, a lot of times people think, aha, you're lying to me. No, not necessarily. Research has shown that their eye movement is not correlated with lying. If you're going to bank on that, then you're going to end up in a whole heap of trouble. And when people follow these myths, what happens is they can really ruin a potentially healthy relationship. Okay. One, you just made my day with the arm crossing because that is, that's my favorite default position. Mm -hmm. And I am constantly catching myself doing it. Oh no, no. Arms by my side or open it outward body language. So thanks for that. Really appreciate it. The second thing too, is the eye contact because in the world of camera readiness, I really try to teach people to learn to play the staring game Mm -hmm. because it is about making a connection. And the more that we look away, we are minimizing our connection with the viewer. And especially in digital communication, it's so much more intimate than traditional linear television. But I wanted to ask you, because you also train people to go on camera Mm -hmm. and, and when it gets around to eye contact and looking into that camera versus, I don't know, looking anywhere else. I was just curious, like what your go-tos or your philosophy around that? When you're looking into a camera, if it's just you and the camera, I think you should look into the lens. You should look into the camera, but here's the deal. We're not robotic. So there's going to be sometimes you might blink, you might look away momentarily and then re-engage with the camera. And I think that's okay because we're human. The difference is, is if you're always going to look off to the side as you're on camera, that is disengaging and it doesn't really project warmth. And we use the lens virtually to connect with an audience because that's all we have when we're not in person, when we're not in real life. So I yeah, you brought up really good points there. One, you're reminding us when if you're looking away that you're not actually, you know, talking to us. Mm-hmm. So and the difference between let's say looking up for inspiration versus looking somewhere where I can't see what's going on. The other point you made that's very interesting circles back to we started in the beginning is the difference between three-dimensional communication, meaning we're in person Mm -hmm. and two-dimensional, which is through the lens because all the things that are lost, right? When we miss some of those, the energy and the body language cues when we're not in person. So on my side, I, in the camera ready aspect, I teach people we have to compensate for that a little bit to give people more cues to our meaning in this sense, how important your voice is, mm-hmm. how important your face is. Absolutely. And sometimes even and just being conscious of the energy around that. So that's the idea of maybe being a little bit more on, mm-hmm. but not 
massively exactly. on, but just bring you a little bit more. Zzz. That's right. You got to ump the energy on camera. Right. Um, and understanding again, what the platform is, which brings me back. I actually want to introduce here the idea of Albert Morabian and his famous Morabian theory. Mm-hmm. So for anyone listening who is not familiar, we actually kind of all know this in a way because Maya Angelou has the famous quote, you remember how you made us feel more than what you said. And so a lot of people know that, not necessarily understand where it really comes from, which is his theory from, I think, in the late 50s, early 1960s. He was a professor researcher at UCLA, and he came up with this notion that communication is actually 55% body language, 38% vocal intonation, and 7% content which you and I can debate back and forth the veracity of those numbers. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, it really is introducing the idea how important body language is. Absolutely. You cannot have a conversation or interaction with someone without body language. It's impossible, even on the telephone. You just said a few seconds ago about voice. When you're talking to somebody and you're not seeing them, you're still communicating. Whether you're smiling and they can hear it, whether you... Right, you blow out this air of exasperation, whether you're talking fast or slow, or you're actually whispering. All of this sends a message. It's what we call paralanguage. It's still part of nonverbal communication. So whether you can see someone or not, you're still sending nonverbal signals. And people just don't realize that. That's a sales truism, right? That we can hear your smile. Mm-hmm. That's taught a lot. The same thing. I often say that to people when they're writing pitch letters. We can we can feel the energy on the page or on the screen. So you want to bring that energy when you're typing or writing, you want to understand what you're communicating, how you want the reader to feel in that moment. Exactly. Another one is to actually walk around when you're on a sales call to bring that kind of energy. So you're not necessarily just sitting. So with the Moravian theory and those, the percentages that he came up with, I was just curious if you were to do your own version of that off the fly, Mm -hmm. you know, where do you fall on the percentage of, of body percentage of voice. And when we talk body, we're also talking about facial expressions. Yes. I want everyone to understand that they, they come together and then where content falls in there. I would say it's roughly about 60, 40. It just really, it depends on the research study, anywhere from 50%, then they can go upwards of like 75, but around 60%. It's just, words are exceedingly important. I mean, you can have a smile on your face and talk to a baby like, oh, you're so ugly, right? So you have that facial expression, but the words are terrible. <laughs> So it's that mismatch and that's going to just confuse people, but words are definitely important. So you just can't smile and say mean things to people. And they're going to be like, oh, okay, you really mean, you really don't mean that because you're smiling at me while you're calling me ugly. No, that doesn't, that's not how it works. However, it is important because how you talk from how you move, it all sends a message from your head to your toes. It's super, super important. But, you know, a version of that that I actually speak to a lot of people is the fact that if you get all the words right, but you're boring, that's not a win. So, and that's where body language, facial expressions and vocal intonation come in and that your intent is to make an impact, Mm -hmm. to entertain and to engage. It's not to get the words right. Mm -hmm. So the words matter, but focus on success, not perfection, maybe is another way to look at this. I want to ask you too. So getting a little personal, you're a mom. Yes, I am. You have two kids, I right? Do. Okay, so how does body language and your ability to interpret things show up at home and with your kids and be able to like read the situation? That is a fabulous question. It's not a question that I get asked too often. So with my children, they 
I've been able to perceive when something isn't quite right, whether they want to talk, whether they don't, whether they're angry. And then if they are upset for whatever reason, how I might use my body language to kind of help make them feel comfortable and help open that door so they will talk to me. And then I also know the signs of when, okay, right now isn't the time, so I'll come back. And then I'll also say, this is what I'm sensing. Am I on the right track? And sometimes they're like, yes, no. And other times they're like, stop body languaging me. <laughs> they make up the word, you know, just stop it. And I'm like, okay. But I can just read them. And, and a lot of moms do this. It's not unique to me. There's so many moms who know their children so well, right? When they're faking being sick, they're not really sick. But moms know because you just know how your kids typically respond, how they typically react. And when there's a change to that, then moms are like, all right, something's up and they have to figure it out, right? So that's what I do with my own children. But perhaps maybe my level of doing it might be a little more sophisticated, if you will, just based on my training. So with my children, they are also good at reading other people because I talk about it a lot because it's just such an important people skill, not only for what's happening in our family, but when they go out with their friends and they're at school and then when they grow up and they're in when they start their own lives and their own careers, it's just, just such an important people savvy mm -hmm. skill to have. I was trying to imagine how hard it would be to throw a surprise party for you, <laughs> right? Cause you'd oh. be picking up on all those signals and we're like, we're hiding something from mom. No, we're not. Yes, we are. Well, you know, it's interesting you said that since mother's day just passed. So I knew that they were up to something. So they don't, they don't hide <laughs> it. So they're like, okay, we know mother's day is coming and that's it. So it's like you call the elephant in the corner but you're not giving all the details, right? And and that's and that's what they do. So I know enough, but not everything. And then the surprise still goes off. So it's off. <laughs> so going back to what you're saying about reading other people in the room. So I wanted to sort of segue this into the workspace, mm. especially for me and people I work with and people listening to the podcast, many of us, you know, working in the media space, many people in front of the camera mm -hmm. as well as behind the camera, is the notion of feedback. Mm. Because in media and entertainment, there's a lot of, um, we love you. And we hear, oh my God, we love you. You're great. That was so good. You're awesome. But they might not mean it. Oh, yeah. And I was just curious about tips to be able to, I mean, functionally, just like, what are you looking for in body language, whether it's like, I don't know, shoulders, gestures, eyes, faces, whatever, when you're hearing feedback from someone to be able to tell whether like, yes, they actually really like that. I'm doing a good job and they mean it when they say they're going to call me versus they just said that. Sometimes that's hard to distinguish. And the reason is if it's just a short one statement, sometimes you may or may not be able to pick up on that if they really will. But if you're in person and let's say they say you are fabulous, so happy to have you on the show, but then there's a body language disconnect, meaning they're looking away as they're giving you all this they're saying all these wonderful things. You have to wonder why. Why are they looking in a different direction and not at you? Normally, when someone means some, when somebody means what they're saying, they're going to make sure that they have your attention and they look at you. They want you to know. Sometimes people follow up with a, you know, like a touch on the arm, like you were fabulous. Thank you so much for being here. Can't wait to have you back. But then there are other times because people who are on camera. They do know how to act to a certain degree. So they can say the same words, do the same touch, and you'll never get a call or a follow-up email. So that one isn't as, as simple to, to figure out. 
But if you're, again, if you're face to face, then you can see if there's an incongruency versus what they're saying and versus what they're showing. And if you see that incongruency, you're going to believe the body language over the words. And I'll give you a perfect example. Like how many times have you seen someone, you're like, hey, how's it going? And they're like, fine, flat affect, no animation in their voice. They don't even look at you. So you know they're not fine. But since you don't have any skin in the game, you just leave it alone and you keep walking, you keep moving. But that's a good example of someone who's saying the right word, but their body language is completely off. No one's going to buy it. You know, I encounter the flip side of that. Mm -hmm. Actually, in meeting experts, sometimes people who have really, really, really exciting lives and they'll come in to meet or they want to be on television and they have the dullest delivery around their exciting lives, right? Like so nonplussed. That's right, Blanca. I just, you know, came in from Paris. It was super exciting. And um, right. there you And it's like, wow, you are the dullest person with an exciting life I've ever met. And then the opposite, I often point out back in the mom blogger day when that was mm -hmm. huge, the most delightful women coming in talking about, you know, carpool, <laughs> drop off, baby spit up. And he was like, I was in hysterics. Like, tell me more. You are the most delightful, most energetic, lively person. Mm -hmm. So much had to do with engagement and exactly. body language and looking at you and drawing you in. So I want to talk about in the job interview space. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously now so much starts originally either through phone, Zoom, or having to create a video yes. or, you know, a Skype interview. So what are some of the things people can do to enhance their opportunities, right? Because it's like everyone's got your resume and they're asking the same questions, but these can become little things you can do that actually up your opportunities and, you know, increase your chances of getting hired. And the same thing applies to like, what should you be reading on the other side? When you're creating a video, for example, that you're going to send as part of your interview package, if you will, right? Get somebody to get to know you. Think about the one thing that excites you about the job, about the opportunity. And that's what you want to focus on. Because when you find something that you're excited about, then what's going to happen is that your body language and your voice are going to mimic that excitement. You're going to want to show that excitement because you are excited about the opportunity, about the job, maybe the location, whatever it is. So if you can focus on that one thing and don't think about, oh my gosh, I have to make 50 of these. It's irrelevant. You focus on each one separately. And that's, it really puts it on you. That burden is on you to bring your energy, to show them you want this job. Why is it that they should pick you out of a million candidates? What is it about you? Find how you fit in. When you fit in, you just have to show it. And it really starts with some cognitive self-talk for people. That is very helpful. Can you explain cognitive cognitive self-talk? Yeah, essentially you're talking to yourself. I just said it in a fancy way. So you're really just talking to yourself and you're saying, okay, I want this job because I get to move. I get to go cross country. And if I get to go to cross country, I'm going to live in this fabulous new city. Now, if I'm in this fabulous new city, it's going to expose me to this other culture, which I really wanted to be around and about. Okay. So I've given three reasons right there. So when you're upping and you're talking to yourself and you're upping that excitement, it's going to come up naturally because you keep thinking about the positives of this job. If you can't think of anything positive about the job, it's going to show in your body language and how you talk about yourself, you're not going to be able to sell yourself. And then you're going to put yourself at a disadvantage. Or let's say you are excited about the job, but you don't bring the energy. It's going to be hard for someone to really get go, are they excited? Or are they not excited? Do they want to be here? Or do they want to be, not want to be part of the team? So you, that's with a cognitive self-talk. How do you want to be perceived? And I tell all of my clients this, someone's perception of you becomes their reality of you, whether it's true or not. 
it's huge. If someone's perception of you becomes a reality of you, whether it's true or not, then that impetus is on you to bring out your best self. That is such great advice. What are some of the other top tips and tricks of the body language trade that you offer up? Well, that's, that's a broad question because I, I work in different areas. So if you want like camera, we'll, we'll stick with it. We'll stick with camera work here. So going back to the example of talking, you're presenting yourself, introducing yourself. You don't talk just to talk. You talk because you have a point. You have a purpose to it. People, a lot of times, they'll tend to ramble and it goes off subject. And then they start the stuttering or the ums or hold on a second. Let me think. No, you really should be prepared on what you're going to say. When you make it short, sweet, and stick to that point, I mean, you just feel good. You feel confident. And that confidence really comes out. When you talk, you want to smile. People underestimate the power of a smile. They really do. And when you're on camera and you can smile as you're talking and people can feel that energy, it's like this magnet. You're drawing them to you. It, it just it works almost magically. And when you're using your body language, use your hands. A lot of times people don't know what to do with their hands and they might play with their cuticles or they're playing with their fingers or they're tapping a table or their leg, whatever. No, instead of doing that, have your palms up as you're talking. Now, not the whole time you're talking because that comes across as creepy, but as you're talking, show your palms. When you show your palms, you're letting people know that you're being open. You're not holding anything back. You're being very frank in your discussion and conversation. And that draws people in. I'm so glad you brought up hands. That is one of the number one questions that I get. What should I do with my hands? And that has evolved a lot from, I don't know, the early 90s when I started in TV and hands were very stiff and crossed mm -hmm. in a certain way. Mm -hmm. You still see that sometimes in older, more traditional programming. What do we do with our legs? Oh. Are we crossing our legs? These become questions specifically too, a little bit more for women, but also for men. What do we do with our legs? There you when go. you're standing up, you want your feet hip distance apart. When your feet are hip distance apart, that makes you look powerful. It's very different when you have your legs hip distance apart than whether we are crossing your legs. Because when you cross your legs, what's happening is you're making your body come closer and you're taking away some of that space. And then people who are more confident, they tend to take up more space. And then the, again, it's the perception. Someone is going to see you as more sturdy, if you will, when you're taking up some more space, right? Versus then if your body's withdrawn and in and your legs are crossed and your shoulders are rounded, you just don't look confident. And some people can misperceive it as you being weak also. And maybe not necessarily weak physically, but weak emotionally. That's not good. So you use body language to your advantage. So feet hip distance apart. If you're sitting, of course, if you're wearing a dress, you do want your legs crossed, but it's all in how you cross your legs. You, as a woman, you can cross your legs at the ankle, and then you might even want to tilt your legs a little bit as you cross them at the ankle. And then there are some women and men who are like wicked confident, and they do what's called a figure four. And so that is where you take one leg and you cross it at the knee. You bend it at the knee, I mean, and then that foot goes on the other knee. Does that make any sense? And it looks like it's a number four as you're sitting. Okay. I'm dying to look this up. Anyone pop into your mind? That's like a famous number four. Yeah. Um, Ellen DeGeneres sits that way a lot. Oh, on her show. On her show, how she sits where she has one foot, one ankle that's on the opposite knee. Yes, 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 yes. yes. 
Mm-hmm. And I do that too. <laughs> a lot of confident people do. And men do that also. A lot of men also. But it just comes across as confident and sure. I mean, if you think about it, when people are hiding, what do they do? They shrink down. They get little. They're hiding behind something. So it's just that perception. When your body language shrinks, you're nervous. You're tense. You're stressed about something. You're not feeling confident. You're scared. I mean, if you think about nature and you think about silverback gorillas, these gorillas, think about it. Their chest is out, their chin is up, you know, they're walking, right, with their arms by their side and, you know, they'll bang their chest. If you, and so what that means is that the rest of the pack, they're giving this gorilla respect. Imagine if that same leader, silverback gorilla, came in like this, with the closed in and shoulders rounded and then trying to bang his chest. That's not going to work. Then the other gorillas would be like, hmm, I'm not sure he's alpha after all. Again, it's about perception. Okay. That was golden. So as you're describing that, I'm thinking about how important it is, how somebody walks in a room, obviously, obviously. but this comes up a lot in auditions mm-hmm. and pitch meetings. When someone is seeing you for the first time and we're projecting onto you, whether you can go on camera for us, whether we want to invest in your business. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is to walk in as a silverback gorilla always, Always. correct? Before you even leave your car. I'm I'm not kidding. Because someone is going to be watching you in the parking lot. Now, some people are like, I'm in public transportation. Fine. As soon as you get off the subway, start walking like a silverback gorilla. You, 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 You just don't start your role as soon as you're in front of a camera. Oh, 100%. Amen <laughs> to that blog. I could not agree with you more. I, I actually agree. I say that all the time to people because the audition, the meeting, whatever starts before you even enter the building. Yeah. You're already auditioning or you're already in that interview when you speak to the security guard downstairs, right. when you swipe the thing. It's, it's mindset and it's reality. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Here's a question though. I am vertically challenged. Some people might say petite. Um, so how do I take up more space? Because I'm in a world where people are literally, you know, dwar- I'm dwarfed by that. Yeah, great question. And some of the examples that I, I just gave you, make sure that your shoulders are back, your chin is level. You're taking some nice strides. So not a, a stride that's so long that you're about to fall over, but you take a nice, strong stride, and then you move your hands as you're walking. That shows that you're pretty confident. Also, when you're standing, make sure that your feet are hip distance apart. Sometimes like you might lean on, uh, maybe there's a bookcase, maybe there's a a chair or something, you might lean on it, popping an elbow. That is taking up space versus when your arms are just right by your side. So you do it in those moments and it's like, wow, okay, we're going to take her seriously. It's about perception. And then project your voice and then project your voice. Is also good. I was just going to bring up voice because this becomes an issue for women. Mm-hmm. Well, for everyone, but especially for women, because our voices go up here when we start to breathe from our chest and we get excited. So I want to talk a minute about just, you know, speaking from a lower register, mm-hmm. understanding to breathe from the diaphragm, not the chest, exactly. and also the difference of audiences, because my excited voice goes over well, if I'm in a room full of equally excitable women mm-hmm. of my, you know, same interests and age and stuff, but it becomes different depending on the audience and ages and genders, et cetera. So can you explain a little bit about, you know, why that matters? People like people who are like themselves. So like, likes, like, 
That's what I always say. Like, likes, like. So what that means is if your audience, and you said it perfectly, you gave beautiful examples. So if your audience is very similar to you and they talk in a, the same manner, so that, that they're going to aggregate towards that. They're going to like that. They're going to lean towards that, right? So when there's somebody who just doesn't fit like the group, now this is not to say that we're not welcoming to everybody. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying when someone is more like you, you tend to like them. I have never met anyone that says, I'm so excited. I'm going to hang out with my worst enemy today. Nobody says that. It's what you have in common with someone. So the same. So like for myself, when I keynote and I speak to groups, I could have a more conservative group, which means I'm still very animated when I talk because it's who I am. But some of the examples that I will use will be more conservative. I will tone down my animation. It's more welcoming to the group than with other people. I mean, there's some groups of people that I can, can talk like a sailor. It suits them just fine. And it's like you have to be a chameleon and you have to be able to read your audience because, again, like, likes, like. Two things there. One, what a great explanation why we need more diversity. Because more different points of view, more different life experiences, mm -hmm. we have more like to like. Yeah. Really good explanation of why that's important. And then you just tapped into one of my truisms. It's always, what's your goal? Who's your audience? What's the platform? Mm -hmm. How do you speak to that audience versus that platform to achieve the goal? Because your information stays the same. You're the same but you meet your audience where they are. Absolutely. 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 I mean, there could be more people that are going to be more analytical, right? And so you might want to show them more graphs or more charts because that's how their brain processes and understands that information where other people are like, I don't care about the details. Just point me, paint me the big picture. So that's why it's so important because again, what does that boil down to? You like people who are similar to you. Like, likes, like. I'm also gleaning that emotional intelligence is a big part of the body language conversation. Absolutely. Ding, ding, ding. So what are some of your favorite resources oh. around body language and, and ways to learn? In addition, we're going to get into that, the resources that you provide. Yeah, well, there are some great books out there. There's some very well-respected body language experts. And if you want to help yourself, I tell people to watch shows on mute. And when you watch a show on mute, you don't have to hear what's happening. Start reading mannerisms. How are they moving? Does it look like they're yelling? Are they animated? What's going on with their hands? How are they walking? How are they interacting with somebody else? You can get a sense if someone's angry, sad, happy, neutral, surprised, scared, and then go back, rewind, and see if you're right. That is going to help you with that observational skill that you need to start reading people. And then what you can also do to read yourself, video yourself when you're having a conversation with somebody and then go back and play it. Because what happens is you may not even realize that you make some kind of crazy face and then someone is picking up that vibe and they're responding to it. When you think, what happened? What did I do? I'm just talking to you as you have a scowl. And you're like, oh, I didn't realize I had that scowl. And you don't know until you go look at it, until you watch that video. So those are two great ways that you can start with those observational skills. It takes time, like with any other skill. It's practice and it takes time, but you can do it. And it's one of the best ways to have this 
people intelligence, being people savvy is really understanding somebody from their point of view. It would really decrease on a lot of conflict with other people if we understood them from where that person is. Who do you think provides really good body language on a consistent basis as a communicator? Is there somebody you're like, oh my God, I just love their body language? Oh, oh, that's a great question. Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey's great with his body language. And when he's talking, I, I watch a lot of his motivational videos, like after he finishes uh, a set, like when he's, when he's wrapping up, what is it, Family Feud? Then sometimes he'll stay on stage and he's talking to the audience and he talks about life lessons or some of his experiences. And when he talks about it, not only is he telling you a story, but he's also communicating with his voice. He's communicating with his facial expressions. He communicates with his hands. And it's very powerful because you know that he really feels it. When there's consistency in body language and voice and mannerisms and words, it's very powerful. You know, Jimmy Fallon is another good example. Yeah, he is. When he, um, when he talks, when he's funny, you, you can just see how when he's funny, he opens up. And it's that consistency with that, with that big body language movements, right? Because he's opening up and he's, and he's funny and it goes hand in hand. I want to talk about your consulting services. Yeah. Explain to me what it is that you do. Oh, great question. There are a few things that I do. And, and one that you said earlier is I help people not to suck on TV. So that's the name of my program, How Not to Suck on TV or How Not to Suck on Video. Some people don't want to be on TV, but they want to make their own videos so they can do video marketing for themselves. And can I interrupt yeah. there? That's the whole point of this podcast. We are all on camera now. <laughs> so I've been true. saying that for over a decade, but if it's the true. pandemic taught you anything, it's like you're on camera. Close to 100% of job interviews involve an on-camera component. TikTok just announced that they're rolling out a business platform so that people can make video resumes that go to corporate really? subscribers. Yeah, that was just announced. And that. I'm like, ding, ding, ding. Are you camera ready? You know, we're live streaming meetings to satellite offices. We are creating business to business video. We're doing social media content. We're making videos for LinkedIn everybody's on camera. And by the way, as soon as you plug that into your smart anything, you're on TV. I just love to remind people of that. So true. And we're all on TV. And you're all on CCTV, by the way, it just going down the privacy rabbit hole. But anyway, <laughs> I interrupted you, Blanca. So explain to me this. So how not to suck on TV and video, which is really, really important. And you're singing my song. Yes. And I, I take entrepreneurs, people who want media exposure, but they're nervous about being on camera. They're nervous about how they're going to sound or how they're going to look, or if they look too big, or they're not sure what to do with their hands. And then I help them become media rock stars. And I do this because I help them become more confident on camera, which is going to lead to more confidence on camera, which is going to help with them becoming more charismatic on camera. And when you have a message and you can pair it with engagement, and you can be riveting, that is like a, the most perfect cocktail because people are going to want to listen to you. I mean, that's what good TV shows and great movies are all about, right? It, it, it's how the characters are presenting themselves, how they're drawing you into their world. That's what we're doing on camera with everybody else. Nobody runs home and says, all right, 8.30 tonight, the most boring show. I can't wait to watch it. No, it doesn't happen. 
so as a professional, as an entrepreneur, you want to educate, you want people to know about you, but you have to do it in a way that draws them in, draws the audience in, where they want to know more about you, where they're curious and they want to hire you, right? Because there's so many people who do the same thing that you do, but what sets you apart and one way is through your communication and it's how you relate to people. Mm-hmm. And tell me about your ebook and where I can find oh, it. Oh, yeah. So I've written an ebook, which is really a guidebook. And it talks about different emotions that you can read behind a mask. Since we have been on lockdown for the past year, a little over a year, and you're out and about, you don't see as much of the face. So when the mask is covering your face, you can focus on the eyes, the eyebrows, and the forehead. What kind of messages can you read on people's faces that gives you a sense of how they're feeling in the moment? Again, this helps with people's savviness. This helps with emotional intelligence, social intelligence. And it's at um, emotionsbehindthemask.com. And at the back of it, I have a cheat sheet where it gives you the, the most common emotions and what you can look for in the eyes, eyebrows, and forehead to let you know what somebody's feeling. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been really riveting and extremely helpful. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. And thank you for listening. As always, I really appreciate your feedback and support. Never hesitate to drop me a line at bba at ableintermedia.com. And as always, please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. And please, please, please tell your friends about the podcast. See you soon.